Hi, my name's Jason. I'm the senior pastor at Chilton Church. We hope all our messages will help you connect more fully with God's love, grow as his follower, and share his hope with those around you. Thanks so much for joining us. One of the great truths of the Bible was expressed in that reading from Psalm 8. And the, the great truth of the Bible is that we're created in the image of God. Um, do you ever look at yourself in the mirror and, and say, isn't that wonderful, I'm created in, in the image of God? Um, probably not often, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I don't often do that, if I'm honest. But, um, but as, I read, as, I, as we had that read to us this morning, something else struck me from that passage was that we're called to rule over creation. Uh, how do you feel about that, that we're actually co-rulers with God over his creation? Isn't that wonderful, that we're actually co-creators and co-producers with God? God has a wonderful destiny for us. Um, I'm not here to speak about that this morning, but I just wanted to say it because it kind of fits in with what I'm saying as well. And what I've been asked to speak about is Mark chapter 2, verses 23 to 28, which is up there. And Let's just read it, because uh, it hasn't been read. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and all his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And that's uh, an interesting passage, isn't it? And it tells us something about Jesus. Uh, it tells us something about the way he responded to that. First of all, the Pharisees, who were very religious, had introduced lots of things that you could and, could and couldn't do on a Sunday, or Saturday in those days, Sabbath. Um, they were challenging Jesus. Uh, they were saying, why do you let your disciples do this? And Jesus' response was to refer to David. So De J Jesus is in the line of David, um, and he's referring to David and said, look, if David ate the consecrated priest from the temple, why can't my disciples eat bread from a, a grain field? Um, in those days, even the poor could go through a grain field and, and glean, get the gleanings from the field. So he deals with the fact that it's not lawful, but Jesus goes on to something more because he says the reason why they can do it, it's not about the law at all because the law is meant to free us. It's not meant to bind us down. He goes on to say the reason why is because actually man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for the man. So man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was for the man. So in other words, the Pharisees had got it the wrong way around. They were looking at this and saying, actually, um, this, these disciples, these men, aren't doing what Jesus, what, what, the, what the law requires. They're not, they're not fitting in with our view of the Sabbath. And Jesus was saying, actually, it's the other way around, that the Sabbath was made for us. It's, uh, it's meant to serve us. So I suppose the question this morning is, does the Sabbath serve me and you? Are we served by this day of rest? We, we heard it very helpfully in the children's talk uh, this morning. I also think children's talk is a bit of a misnomer because I think it's for everyone, really, isn't it? I, I got a lot from that. I was just thinking, could I do those things with the weights, you know? 
You, you needed some guy from the gym to come up and just go. <laughs> but um, it, it was great. Um, and so, um, but, but the question is, do, does it service? You know, does the Sabbath, does this day of rest, does it really service? So in considering that, what does, what does Sabbath actually mean? It means rest. It means to cease from. It means to stop doing something. It means to, to keep. And we notice that in Genesis, Genesis is... If you want to know God's plan for mankind, go to the first 11 chapters of Genesis, and that tells you his plans for mankind. All the themes are in there, creation, salvation, forgiveness, redemption, the nations, and it's all, it's all there. And very early on in Genesis, we have Sabbath. It's one of the foundational principles in the Bible. So if it's there in Genesis, it's something we, we really need to uh, take, take note of. And it's, it, in, in Genesis, it's, it was the Lord had finished creating. And six, uh, after six days, man was created, the crown of his creation, mankind. And then on the seventh day, he rested. On the seventh day, he rested. Now, I don't believe that God suddenly goes into a time of doing nothing. Rest isn't doing nothing, is it? If you rest, you don't just do nothing. Sometimes you just do nothing. Maybe, like you say, 12 hours sleeping. I don't know. Never, that sounds like a goal <laughs> but to actually rest is usually doing something different isn't it and I, I believe you know in the seventh day it's, it's a metaphor isn't it um, God still sustains the universe but it's so it's talking not it's talking about a, a state a, quali- a qualitative state of what we can enter into so I want to look at a couple of things this morning and uh, first of all this again this scripture was mentioned in the children's talk I feel like I'm doing your children's talk without the weights. So. <laughs> um, but in Matthew 11:28, and what is interesting about these verses is that it's an invitation. If I was to say to you, how many of you in here are tired this morning, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually? How many of you struggle with sleeping at night time? Um, yeah. I, I, and how many of you feel a bit burdened by stuff in life? I think if we're honest, most of us will put our hands up to a number of those things. At some stage in our week, we have a bad night's sleep. Um, Some people have many bad night's sleep. Sometimes we just feel burdened by stuff. And here there's a wonderful invitation, isn't there? Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Isn't that wonderful? It's an offer. It's a promise that the Lord is making to us. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. So there's an offer of rest to us. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he's he's talking, when he talks about the yoke in in the Jewish scriptures, he was talking about teaching. So he's saying, my teaching. My teaching is is not going to place a burden upon you. The Pharisees were, they were doing what you did in your children's talk. They were actually adding weights to people's lives. And the people were weighed down by that teaching of the things they had to do. But actually, Jesus comes to take those weights out of our hands and to take that burden from us. And it's interesting, if you read in Matthew 12, he then goes into the same story we've just read from Mark about going through the grain fields and uh, eating on the Sabbath day, and also a few other stories about healing on the Sabbath. So Jesus is trying to uh, say, first of all, I want you to come to me because my teaching will liberate you. It will set you free. The Pharisees and religious people, they just want to tie you down. 
They want to tell you what you can and can't do. You know, you, you can't do it this way. You, you can only drink so much. You can only eat so much. You can only sit in a certain place in the church. You can only do certain things on the Sabbath, uh, on the Sunday. They, they want to tie you down. But Jesus is saying, look, I want to bring liberty and freedom to you. So he's encouraging us to come to him. Uh, to, and I don't know if there's anyone in here who's not actually come to Jesus yet, uh, who's not become a Christian yet. But I, it would be remiss of me not to say to you this morning that you know, it, it is the most wonderful thing and that you have a wonderful opportunity to come to Jesus. Uh, all the time, we can all, any time we can come to Jesus, not just on a Sunday, but you can come to Jesus and find that rest to your souls. And for those of us who've been around for a while and looking around, there's a few who've been around, <laughs> been around for a while. Um, this invitation is a wonderful invitation of coming to Jesus and I will give you rest. That's wonderful, isn't it? And it's, uh, it's, it's true rest is about union with the Lord. So we, we can think that having rest is going on a nice holiday, um, having a day off, going down the gym, going for a good walk. All those things are part of it, actually. We, they, those, those things are really important. You know, having time with family, all those things are really important. But actually, true rest is when we get united with Jesus. And it's interesting because in Exodus thirty-three fourteen it says, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And in, in John chapter 15, if you, we could do a whole uh, message on John 15, but one particular verse, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is saying to us that actually rest comes from uh, being in his presence, from having his presence in us. And as a Christian, that is what it's all about. That is the wonderful thing, is that we are called into a relationship with Jesus. We have Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ is in us, the hope of glory, so we can have that rest um, in him. There's a Jewish writer called Heschel. He's not a Christian, but he wrote a classic book on the Sabbath. And in the book, he wrote, one of the things he said is, the Sabbath is a way to find God's presence. The Sabbath is a way to find God's presence. He also stated that the Sabbath, for them it's the Saturday, for us um, typically it's the Sunday, is a reminder that we're living in two worlds. It's a reminder that we're living in two worlds. And we know that, don't we, as Christians? That as Christians, you, we live here, but we think about heaven. You know, we're living in the physical, but the Holy Spirit comes in and breaks in. It's like heaven breaks into our lives. You know, if you've had an experience of the Holy Spirit, you know that it's not from within. It's from without, that the Holy Spirit just comes and uh, impacts you and that when Jesus comes into your life it's coming from without and in and we're living in two worlds and in Christian circles they call that the now and the not yet that we're living in the now of this world and the not yet of the future world it's a bit like you know when your parents would say to you you know you're going to be going on holiday in the summer and as a kid I don't know about you but I used to count down the days to going away on holiday and you're living in that kind of now of, oh, I want to go, but I'm still having to go to school and do my homework and, you know, play football. But I'm looking forward to that promise of going away to Butlins or wherever it was that I used to go to when I was a kid. Um, it's the now and the not yet, isn't it? And 
We live in that tension, don't we? And in a sense, Jesus wants to give us that promise now. So he says, I will give you rest. So if you are feeling burdened this morning, I invite you to come to Jesus and just very simply say, Lord, your word says, if I come to you, you will give me rest. Uh, You can do that now. You can do it anytime. You can do it even as I'm speaking. I won't be offended. If you just sit there and say, Lord, I feel burdened this morning. I feel tired. Uh, Lord, um, I I receive your promise. Give me that rest. I want to receive that rest. But there's also a sense that we're entering, we're going to be entering into a rest in the future. There's a future rest that comes to us. Hebrews 4 says that we haven't yet entered fully into the rest. And that rest is that uh, the rest when Jesus comes again, where there's no more war, no more suffering. The lion and the lamb will lie down together. Sounds great, doesn't it? The dog and the cat will lie down together. (laughs) Um, And it's a peaceful place of peace and prosperity, stability. No more wars. uh, No more Brexit. (laughs) No more remaining. No more Brexit. Just just that we're in one kingdom. um, And and the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. And there'll be peace and prosperity. And that's the, the future that we're looking forward to. And in a sense, coming to church on a Sunday and... Um, uh, the Sabbath is a reminder of that, isn't it? When we're worshipping, I was really sad when you stopped worshipping, actually. Was anyone else? Because I just felt two songs, it suddenly stopped, and I thought, oh, hang on. I was just tasting, of, well, I wanted more. Uh, but I, I know that you do do. <laughs> tell Ryan. Tell Ryan, yeah. Um, I wanted more, and I know that there's more, you do more, because you have worship second and fourth Sunday of the month in the evening, is that right? Um, and I, I encourage you to go deeper into that because God does things when you go deeper into his presence. He, you allow him to speak. You know, and you cut off the logical, rational mind. I, we're all, I'm one of the most rational people, believe it or not. Um, and, but actually, you, when you worship, you open your creative side, you open your intuitive side, you allow God to speak to your heart. Uh, so I really encourage you to, uh, to do that. I just want to move on quickly to... A few other things. And I just want to establish, first of all, the presence of God, that we can enter into his presence, and that's what he offers us now and in the future. But secondly, there, there is a principle of Sabbath. And I don't know whether, we've kind of lost Sabbath rest, haven't we? You know, we've got 24-7, it's seven days a week, shopping. And I'm not advocating we go back to having Sunday where we do nothing and we don't watch any sport. I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying that we've lost something of, in, in that process. Um, so, so just a few things about the principle of Sabbath that hopefully we can build into our lives in some way. First of all, in Exodus 30, 31, 17, it says God himself rests and was refreshed. Now, if God needs to rest and get refreshed, then we do, don't we? And as we read in Psalm 8, we're co-regents, we're co-creators with God. And so in a sense, the Sabbath principle was there to help us, really, because he wants us to rule and reign with him. He wants us to rule over his creation. But he's saying, look, if you're going to do it, you need to do it my way. And Sabbath is a sign and a reminder to do it his way. Secondly, in other ancient cultures, the gods, you know, the Mesopotamian gods, the Assyrian, all those different gods, They had mankind, but men and women were slaves. They were there to do the work of the gods. There wasn't the Sabbath principle. But in the Bible, the beautiful thing is that we are created in the image of God, and God wants to share with us his creation. But he also wants to care for us as well. So he brings that principle of Sabbath. So we're not 
slaves. We're not meant to be enslaved by the world of work. I think the Sabbath, it's like when Rachel was saying before, she said at the beginning, let's take a breather. I think the Sabbath is a, a reminder from God to take a breather in our week, to take a breather, to, to pause, to actually pause. Anyone like football or a good tennis match? I love it. And sometimes you get so engrossed. You put your hand up. What do you like? Who's your favourite tennis player? Right, who's your favourite tennis player? No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, it's great. It's good. He's a great, he's a great tennis player. I'm a, I'm a Roger Federer fan, so, yeah. But if, if you watch a great match, like Andy Murray versus Federer, Andy Murray versus somebody else, you get so engrossed in it, don't you? You get so engaged in it that sometimes you can't even go to the loo. You, you know, you, you can't take a break. And, and, and it's kind of good when they have a little break and you just, like, have a breather. Um, and you disengage for a second, and you just you know come down to normality, and then you get back into it. And I think the Sabbath is a bit like that, that you're having a day a week where you just take a breather from the relentlessness of life, and then you are able to get back into life, and it then affects the rest of the week. So it's not just like you said in your children's talk, you know, it's not just you do one day, and it's and then you do all the cool things. It's the cool thing that leads you to do all the other cool things for for the rest of the week. If you uh, notice also in Exodus 20, and again, if you've had a chance to read that, read that afterwards, the Ten, ten Commandments. Uh, the Sabbath is the fourth commandment, and it's often said it's the bridge between one, the commandments one to three, which are all about loving God, and the, the commandments that come after that, five to ten. So it helps us to remember that God is our creator, but it also helps us to uh, remember <coughs> our fellow men and women. So if we take the Sabbath principle seriously, we probably wouldn't employ people on a Sunday or uh, wanting to you know push them too hard on a Sunday or if it wasn't on a Sunday we would say we would give them space at another time we we would build this principle into their working practices so that we allow them to work to their to their best rather than pushing pushing people too hard so it's it's a good bridge to help us to um, be better uh, relators to God and better relators to others just a few more things too is that it is also um, an antidote to burnout. Um, it's very easy, isn't it, in the world of work to get overworking. Do you, do you ever get that? You just get so consumed with work. Um, I was in London yesterday with a friend, and we were walking along the South Bank, and I came across uh, a couple of uh, friends I hadn't seen for a while. And um, I spoke to the lady, and I said, how's it going? And she said, well, since last... April 2018, she's been working on the Brexit stuff, policy, um, and now they're working on the basis of, you know, there being a no deal, which makes sense, you know, that they need to make that provision, doesn't mean it's going to happen, but one, a couple of things she said struck me is that um, she hasn't had, they've only had, as a couple, they've only had one day together properly in the last, since that time, they haven't had any holiday, and she's been working 14 hours a day, and they've had having emails at two o'clock in the morning, and my, my only question to her is, is that sustainable? And that's not, is it? That's just crazy. To me, that's crazy. Um, and so we're not meant to work like that. God, work is good. Work is good. It's part of being in God's image. But we're not meant to burn ourselves out like that. An ancient philosopher said this. He said that when the bow is kept tight all the time, it will quickly break. But if, you, if it's kept loosely strung, then it will serve you when you need it. And our bodies, minds, and emotions, they're, 
They need rest, don't they? We need rest. So if we are working like that, I would encourage us to take a step back um, and actually build Sabbath into that. Even when we're retired, we can get caught up in a relentless cycle of activity. The other thing about Sabbath is that it, it breaks the preoccupation with the things of this life because, you know, again, you can go from day to day and get so caught up in life that you forget that there's a God and that you, when you have a Sabbath, when you have a day off, you suddenly get perspective, don't you? That actually there's much bigger things out there than your washing up or your Sunday lunch or your holidays or your bills. Go and look at the stars at night and you just see that there's something much bigger out there. It also breaks the attitude to consumerism and materialism um, because, again, if you have that day when you're not thinking about what you're going to buy, what you're going to get, what you're going to have, it, it gives you perspective, doesn't it? And it also frees us from seeing people as just units of production. You know, the, they work, they're just there to, uh, like the gods in the ancient cultures, man, man was just there to, to do for him. Our God has a different view, which is why he gives us the Sabbath. And finally, uh, it sets us free from slavery. We're not called to be enslaved to our work or anything else for that matter. We're, we're called to, um, to a different lifestyle. So Walter Brueggemann wrote a book called Sabbath as Resistance, and I'd really recommend it to you if you get a chance to get hold of it. But basically he's writing there that the, the whole idea of the Sabbath, the principle, was to be countercultural. And we are, as Christians, called to be countercultural, aren't we? We're called to live in a different way, and we're offered something. Uh, to live in a different way. So finally, I want to finish by saying, how do we enter this Sabbath rest? How do we get this rest? And I think there's a few things. One is, as I said before, very simply, we should be coming to Jesus and literally saying to him, I want the rest that you want to give me. But there are some practical things we can do as well. So for example, do you have one day a week when you don't actually do a particular type, type of work? And this even applies if you're retired, because it may be if you're retired, you're really busy doing lots, filling your time with lots of things. So but do you have a day when you just cease from your work? You know, students, do you, is there a day when you don't have to think about doing your homework or exams or, you know, schoolwork? Is, is there that day? And if you're working, is there a day that you can say is, you can set apart? Because it's not just ceasing from work, but also it's set apart to the Lord as well. So in, on that day, not that you have to spend the whole day, you know, worshipping or listening to Christian hymns or reading Christian books, but is there a, a day when you can spend a bit more time in the presence of God, a day set apart to, to him, a day when you can think more about the Lord? So that's one thing. The other thing is, in the Old Testament, they had festivals. And the one thing the Jewish writers would have told us about the Sabbath is that it's not a day of fasting, it's not a day of mourning, it's not a day to be sad. It's a day of rejoicing, actually. It's a day for family. It's a day for food and festivals. How many of you have been away on a Bible camp? New wine, spring harvest, those kind of things. That's a kind of a festival that you could go to. Um, and that's a way of, again, building Sabbath in. Going on holiday, getting away for a few days, can be a type of uh, a Sabbath thing. What about having uh, a Sabbath from technology? <laughs> it is it is I'm actually going away for a week from tomorrow and the one thing I'm, I've already done on my phone is I've turned off all my notifications already from Facebook from Twitter from everything I can think of I've, turned my, I've already turned my emails off for the week 
Um, I'm going to put my phone into Do Not Disturb, and only a few people can contact me. I think we have to take control over these things because I certainly, it, they're so intrusive. Um, and every time you get a ping, it takes you away from what you're doing. Um, these notifications, and I, I get, we go into schools and we chat to young students and they, we say, what's the biggest problem with, it, with preparing for exams? And they say, it's this, because I keep getting pings. And so I said, have you ever thought about you know, turning it off? Um, <laughs> you know, to turn it and put, put do not disturb on for a bit. Um, turning the notifications off. There are things that we can do so that we're not controlled by technology. And I think that the Bible offers us rest but I think these things, they're great. I've got one. As you can see, I've got an iPad, so I'm not, I'm not against them at all. But I think they can lead to distraction. We, are, we become very distracted in life. There's a spirit of distractedness, restlessness. And it's very hard to concentrate sometimes, to actually just focus on one thing. I mean, there's the classic story of the family sitting in the lounge. And they're all watching television, but no one's watching it because you've got somebody on their iPad, somebody on their iPhone. And it's the classic, isn't it? And, you know, I've been walking through parks and I've seen people sitting around a bench and they've all got their iPhones out. I'm like, okay. So we've lost, we're losing something in that. So maybe, uh, can I be radical and say a, a day a week where you just turn your technology off? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think it, would, I think it you, would really benefit. I love it when I, I'm turning this off for a week. I love it. I love it. No one can get hold of me. <laughs> Don't try. <laughs> it's lovely. Um, the other thing is, just finally, that in terms of Sabbath, it's not just about a day a week. It's not just about going away. It's about a daily routine of entering into God's rest. So you know the old spiritual disciplines of praying, reading your Bible, um, going to home group. I loved it when Beverly, is she in here? She's, she's up there. Yeah. On Facebook the other day, she put this wonderful sunset, and it was, they were going to their connect group. But I realized I just asked her, 7 o'clock in the morning, they go to Cafe Nero's, 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. And that's wonderful. They're carving out a time during the week to build Sabbath in and uh, rest, because we're, we're asking that the presence of Jesus to come into our lives. And his presence can come in when we worship, like we have this morning, when we hear God's word, when we spend time in prayer. Ephesians 5.18, which I know you've looked at here, you've looked at Ephesians recently, is about continuously being filled with his presence. Because when we get his presence in us, we start to enter that place of rest. And Ephesians says, be filled with the Spirit. Go on being filled with the Spirit. And all of us can be filled with the Spirit. You don't have to go to church to be filled with the Spirit. It helps. You don't have to go to a special place. Sometimes it helps. But you can actually pray as we walk along the road. Lord, fill me full of your Spirit. And then practicing the presence of God. So as we go through the day, just keep reminding ourselves of the presence of God. You know, as you walk to the bus stop, just breathe in God's creation. And finally, I just want to finish with this quote, because I think this is a challenge. Um, when you get up in the morning, what's the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning? You don't have to tell me. Uh, it might be quite interesting. But um, I bet we think about lots of different things, don't we? You know, it might be the day ahead, it might be things you haven't done, it might be things that you're going to do, it might be that I want to go to the loo, it might be a cup of coffee. But whatever it is, I would challenge us to try and feed into the presence of God first thing. Because if we start off the way we mean to go, it will make a difference 
it's 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 a nice win, isn't it? There's there's a you know they say that if you make your bed in the morning, um, it makes a difference to the rest of your day. If you make your, it's very easy to make beds, isn't it? Do they? But if you make your bed, it, it, it's a quick win that that um, helps you through the rest of the day. And I'd say that a great habit in the morning is to allow God's presence to come in. And I love this quote from C.S. Lewis to finish off with. And he says, it comes to the very moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back and listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in, and so on, all day, standing back from all your natural fussings and pressings, coming in out of the wind. I love that. And that's a real encouragement, isn't it, to start each day allowing that greater, stronger voice to come in. Thank you so much for listening. I'm really happy to pray with people afterwards, and particularly, as I say, if you felt you feel a nudge to ministry, I'd love to pray for that. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the church and how to connect with us in person or online, wherever you are, please visit our website at www.chiltonchurch.org.uk.